bathrooms out in the first hallway. Kids all get to where they were supposed to go. Just grab somebody if you don't know where you're going. We spent 2022 reading through the entire New Testament, and it seems like suddenly here we are at the home stretch. This week we read 2nd and 3rd John, Jude, which Isaac touched on for this morning, and then we start in on Revelation. So just four more weeks of reading, and then we'll have our Christmas Eve service that Saturday evening, no Christmas Day Sunday service, just to remind you. Last Sunday, Andy kicked us off for our last little sermon series of the year, which we're calling Live in Love. He actually called me a couple weeks ago to say, hey, this is what I'm feeling, what I'm thinking, and how do you feel about doing this series with me? And he said, you can do whatever you want, but this is my idea. And I, who am still finding my footing up here, said, uh, yes. <laughs> I love structure. I love directions. And instead of free range, which kind of scares me, uh, he's given me a writing prompt. So I said, yes, I can work with that. And so I started reading ahead, and I read all of Andy's chapters, which were the five chapters that we would have read this past week. Um, and I thought, all right, yes, this is rich in love. If you read 1 John 3 and 4 this week, so rich, all about how Jesus loved us and how we should love others and what that looks like. And love is mentioned so many times in those chapters. It was an awesome kickoff week for love in action or living in love. And then I started reading my chapters. <laughs> okay, at first, I saw promise. I listened to 2 John on my new app where I can choose my reader, so I have this soothing lady's voice reading to me, and she starts in. To the lady chosen by God and to her children whom I love. And I got really excited. I backed it up. I said, what did she just say? She said, to the lady. And I was like, okay. How did Andy plan this out 11 months ago that I get the only book in the Bible that was written to a woman, and I'm like, okay, I'm probably dancing on stage again this week. We're going to talk about female empowerment, women in the word. This is a message for me. I told Andy and Melinda how excited I was, uh, that I didn't know what I'd talk about yet, but just, I'm excited, this lady. And Andy was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> uh, apparently the lady might be, probably is, because Andy's usually right, uh, referring figuratively to a whole church. And if it is written to just one lady, he pointed out some questions he might have for the writer. So I'm just going to leave it to you. Read 2 John. It's good. Get excited. But I didn't find my message there. So I read on. In 2 and 3 John and Jude all touch on false teachers, deceivers in the church, being alert, staying in the faith. But I'm scouring this text looking for love verbs, for love in action, for people living in love, trying to stay on theme. <laughs> and I started to think, Andy planned this whole series, and he didn't read my chapters. <laughs> he already knows his live in love verbs for the next three weeks, but I was thinking, there's not much here for me. So I asked God to reveal himself to me in his word and to show me his love in action. And what starts to come out is, man, I'm going to have to teach on Revelation. 
I was really fine with leaving Revelation 1 and 2 out of my message, letting Andy explain all the wild visions and symbolism and stuff that is packed into Revelation. And while I'm still not ready to unpack all of it for you, I'm glad I didn't shy away from it because I found a love verb. Andy set the stage last week that we're called to live in love as we live like Jesus. And the foundation of that is to love others. And so the next four weeks, including today, are how we practice that, the things that love does. So today, as I continue to encourage you to live in love, I want to show you that love lifts. That's my title today, Love Lifts. How do you think I got my CrossFit friends to come back this morning? I told them, talking about lifting, obviously. <laughs> no, they were going to come anyway. How many of you have ever participated in sports? Or any kind of competitive event? The Freedom Weekend team reflected on this last week, too. But think about when you're preparing for a game or a competition. Uh, getting all pumped up, or if you were a musician or performer, uh, before the lights go on and the curtain comes up, how are you most effectively motivated in those moments? What do, you, what do others do or say to you, or maybe what are you saying to yourself that helps you get in the right mindset for peak performance? Personally, I was never much of an athlete. Dance, cheer, music, those were more my calling. But this one time, my friend Janelle, who was my now husband's little sister, yep, this is my sister-in-law now, but we were teenagers back then, uh, she convinced me it'd be a good idea to run cross-country my senior year of high school. Listen, I was not, never have been, never will be a good runner. I don't know what possessed me to say yes to running cross-country. I think my plan was to do this alongside my friend because I loved her, and I would get in shape to join the swim team come winter. Spoiler alert, I did not join the swim team after this. <laughs> what happened was I ran every race with a humble goal, don't finish last. About halfway through every race, I had this talk with myself that I just had to get this one over with, and then I could finally quit the team. But another spoiler, I'm not a quitter. I never quit the team. Maybe I should have. I remember one race vividly that an actual snake sprung out of the grass with its mouth open, coming at my foot, and I screamed and did this turning, jumping thing over it, and I probably never ran so fast in a race as I did for the next 50 yards after the snake literally tried to bite me. And I'm pretty sure I spent the rest of that race in tears questioning all of my life decisions. But there is one meet that I remember a little more fondly. I don't remember my time or how many runners I beat, but I remember my coach. We knew there was a stretch on this course inside the last mile of the run that was a steep uphill run. And my coach said that that's where she would wait for us, at the bottom of the uphill run. And I remember she asked me specifically, what motivates you? She said, do you need me to yell, like, at you? <laughs> do you respond to trash talk? 
Or do you need me to yell out nice things and lift you up? And I'm pretty sure I told her the same thing I'd say now, that if you yell at me how slow I am, how bad I am, how many runners are passing me, I'm probably just going to cry and give up. <laughs> and I remember when I turned the corner and I saw that big hill on this run, I spotted my coach there waiting for me, just like she'd said she would. And she yelled things like, you've got this, Kelsey. You're doing great. Don't stop. You can do this. And she ran alongside me, just outside the roped-off trail, all the way up that hill, cheering for me all the way. <clears throat> the only thing I know for sure about that race was that I did not stop running up that hill. I had stopped running to walk in many a dark place in a cross-country meet, but not that day because my coach was there to lift me up at the most challenging part. So I want to show you what I found in Revelation chapter 1. We're pretty sure this is written by John. Revelation was written by John, who was Jesus' disciple, and he calls this book the Revelation of Jesus Christ, or the Revealing of Jesus and writes to the big seven churches about the messages and visions that he's received. And I know, for me, that's what makes Revelation so tough to read and to study, are some of the weird visions and the creatures John describes in Revelation. But I know, 2 Timothy 3.16 tells me that all scripture is inspired by God, and it's useful for showing us the truth, exposing us, correcting us, instructing us. So, if we believe all of God's word is real and true, that includes revelation. So, jumping in, I'm reading the message translation in Revelations 1, starting around verse 12. That's perfect right there. Yeah. Go back. Okay. I turned and saw the voice. This is John speaking. I turned and saw the voice. I saw a gold menorah with seven branches. And in the center, the Son of Man, in a robe and gold breastplate, hair a blizzard of white, eyes pouring fire blaze, both feet furnace-fired bronze, his voice a cataract, right hand holding the seven stars, his mouth a sharp biting sword, his face, face a paragee sun. I saw this and fainted dead at his feet. His right hand pulled me upright. His voice reassured me. Don't fear. I am first, I am last, I'm alive. I died, but I came to life, and my life is now forever. So here's what happens usually when I read a passage out of Revelation. Is anybody else still stuck on the first few verses? Still pondering? The eyes pouring fire blaze. His mouth a sharp sword. His face a shining sun. We can sit and wonder all day what John really saw. Was he being literal? Was he speaking figuratively? Could he be exaggerating? And if he's not, what would it be like to literally see that same image? But remember, before I read this, I'm praying, Jesus, show me your love in action. And so, despite this unfathomable image that I can't wrap my mind around, I heard his right hand pulled me upright. His voice reassured me. His right hand pulled me upright. His voice reassured me. 
And I thought, oh, there you are, God. I know that Jesus was 100% man and 100% God. And I know the word says God is love. So we could actually read this as love pulled me upright. Love reassured me. Love lifts. I'll confess I absolutely picked the message translation because I love this imagery of Jesus physically lifting John up. But most versions actually just say, he laid his right hand on me and said, do not be afraid. But the more I thought about it, it really is the same action figuratively. For one, why do we think he had to specify it was his right hand? If you know anything about kings and kingdoms, you know the seat at the right hand of the throne is the seat of honor. The highest position of power, honor, and authority is at the right hand of a king. Isaiah 41.10 says, Fear not, for I am with you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. So for John to recognize he's in the presence of Jesus Christ and fall at his feet as good as dead in comparison to who Jesus is, likely feeling completely unworthy, and then for the king of kings, who currently has a sword coming out of his mouth apparently, to lay his right hand, his hand of honor, on John and comfort him, I find that pretty uplifting. I also found it really cool that in this one little passage in Revelation, we get to see Jesus actively fulfilling a promise. James 41.4.10, James 4.10 says, Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. In 1 Peter 5, 6, and 7, it's similar. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care on him, for he cares for you. This idea of humbling yourselves and being exalted, this is a theme echoed throughout the Bible. I love that last one, though. I never thought about casting my care on him and humbling myself in the same breath. But really, they belong together. Saying, Jesus, I give you my worry, my anxiety, this burden I'm carrying, because I admit I can't handle it myself. That's humbling myself. And he delights in that and says he'll lift us up in due time. I want to read you this parable, this story Jesus told back in Luke. This is Luke 18, starting in verse 9. It's the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector. Also, he spoke this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. Two men went up to the temple to pray one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I possess. And the tax collector, standing afar off, would not so much as raise his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. 
For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Something I notice here that I hope is encouraging to you is Jesus said the tax collector was justified, which means just as if I'd never done it. He was forgiven. Jesus saw him as innocent. What it doesn't say is then his life got much easier. It doesn't say after this, his financial struggles were solved or he got the girl or everyone liked him and he lived happily ever after. It says he who humbles himself will be exalted. But unfortunately, there is no promise that it will be this side of heaven. But Ephesians 2, 4 through 6 says, But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved, and raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. You might not be exalted here in this lifetime, but as believers saved by grace, by a God who loves us, even while we're still sinners, we have a seat at the table with Jesus in the eternal kingdom, and he will lift us upright, just as he did John. And until that day comes, we've been given instruction to love others the way Jesus loves us. So in 1 John 4, starting in 7, this was part of the reading last week, I'm going to share this with you. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. And last week, Andy challenged us, didn't he? If we have to love one another, who is the other? Believers? people in this room, the people who love us. Actually, other is everybody. Every person he created is a person Jesus died for and loves. So we know why we should love, who we're to love. These next four weeks are about the how. Practically, what does love do? What does it look like? So your challenge this week is to ask yourself, do I lift others up? Because if you're living in love, this is how it manifests. Love lifts. I am closing here soon, but I want to show you one more scripture in Romans 15. In my New King James, this passage is titled, Bearing Others' Burdens, which is what drew, it to, drew me to it in the first place, prepping for this week. But I found it in the Passion Translation, which calls it, Love is the key to unity. 
bearing others' burdens versus love is the key to unity. Sounds a lot different to me. But isn't bearing each other's burdens similar to lifting one another, which is an act of love? So here's Romans 15 in the Passion Translation. Love is the key to unity. Now those who are mature in their faith can easily be recognized. For they don't live to please themselves, but have learned to patiently embrace others in their immaturity. Our goal must be to empower others to do what is right and good for them and to bring them into spiritual maturity. Looking for love verbs there. Love is patient with others. It embraces others. It empowers others. And then in 1 Corinthians 8.1, which says, Knowledge puffs up, but love edifies. And thinking about knowledge puffs up, it reminds me of the Pharisee in that parable. There was no evidence of love in that guy, at least in this moment that we got to see him. He was so proud of what he knew, how he acted, and the things that he didn't struggle with. And that's not love. Love edifies. It builds others up. It empowers those who are struggling and gently shows them, you don't have to live like this. There's a better way. I actually asked my husband before I got the ball rolling on this message, I said, what kind of motivation works for you? I wanted to make sure it wasn't just sensitive little me that needs, you know, the uplifting motivation. I said, you know, do you like when people cheer for you or do you tend to work harder if someone's yelling that you stink and you got to do better than that? You may have heard this phrase. Maybe some of you live by it. Haters are my motivators. <laughs> Maybe you are motivated by anger, by hatred. Probably I don't know the things that you've been through, the things that have been said to you that you have had to channel into motivation. What I would say to you is, you don't have to live like that. You see, even my husband, who talks to his gym enemy, slash we know he's your bestie, on the phone every day after the CrossFit workout to talk smack about who was the fastest or the strongest or hit the most reps, even that competitive guy will tell you he prefers to be lifted up rather than put down. My cross-country coach could have yelled a hundred critiques and put-downs at me. She could have told me I was at the back of the pack, that I looked slow, that my stride was too short, all things that were true. <laughs> and, and maybe coming from a good place, trying to make me better. But instead, she acted in love. She showed up for me, she encouraged me, and she literally ran alongside me. Jeremy, can you put up the last Revelation verse again? It goes all the way to the end. It's fine. 117. You can remember this. You can remember this. His right hand pulled me upright. His voice reassured me. His right hand pulled me upright, and his voice reassured me. 
Love pulled me upright. Love reassured me. If you want to know if you're living in love, check the way you interact with others. Do you tear down or do you lift up? And if now you're stuck thinking, wow, my motivation does come from pent-up anger and from hatred that I've received, you don't have to live like that. God sent his son to the cross because of his great mercy and love for you. Rest in that. Cast all your cares on him, humbling yourself. He loves you and promises to lift you up. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for meeting us here. Lord, thank you that you reveal yourself to us in your word. Jesus, thank you for demonstrating your love by lifting up John and promising that you will lift us up, Lord. God, I pray that we would be a people who lives like you. God, you tell us that you loved us and so we should love others. And Lord, just help us to see everyone as the other. Help us to have soft hearts, Lord. Would you fill us with your spirit and just help us to be vessels of your love, God, and to lift others up, to build others up. And Lord, would we rest in knowing that you love us and that we don't have to channel hatred into motivation to do better, to be better, Lord, that we just trust in who you say that we are, that we are your children, God, and that you love us. Lord, praise you for who you are. In your name, amen. As I sit there, having been a follower of Jesus for over 30 years, I realize that a lot of times we're not nice. We don't fight for the person because we're fighting for some ideology and we feel like God needs a defense attorney and it's us. And that's a true thing that we feel. It, it, it seems right to us. It feels, it feels right to us. It feels like we should fight for truth and doctrines and and what's right and if it's not right you know i've got a brother and uh he can be pretty rough pretty harsh he listens to these messages so hello steve (laughs) 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 and 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 he is famous for saying well it's the truth ain't it okay i get it There's another way. And if, in fact, you felt, and I mean it in, the, in this, like the righteous pressure to, to stand for Jesus, I'd love to be able to help you unload that. It feels to me, after all those years, that the Lord values us loving far more than he values us guarding or protecting. Yeah. I asked the Lord this week, uh, 
December is not a slow month when you're leading something because you're thinking about 2023 and 2020, you're thinking ahead and you're asking for vision for the year because people are ready in January and February to step into new spaces. That's just the way we're wired. So I'm thinking about that and praying about that. I was listening, I told folks this morning, I was listening to a podcast yesterday and the guy talked about defining if you want to be a digital church and, and how you know you have a brick and mortar staff but you want to go digital and it just doesn't match up. You've got to align your actual structure with your values and all that, you know. And I'm sitting there thinking, well, what in the world is my goal for this church? <laughs> I'm like thinking, I'm like, and Eric, your brother lives in Kansas City, is that right? Yeah. He visited here once. I didn't even know the connection. He greeted me out front, and he said, hey, I'm Eric's brother, Kansas City. We chatted a little bit. He said, I've got a word for you this morning if you'd like to hear it meaning God had dropped something in his heart to speak to me, and I said, sure. And he said, as I was sitting in the room, the word of the Lord that came to me was that this place is an oasis. It's an oasis for people. For folks that go to church and had a bad experience, for folks that haven't been around church at all, for, for everybody disconnected somehow, can come here, and they may not even stay, but they come here, and then they're healed and fed and helped, and they go. I received that. I said, <laughs> I would love for that to be, and I thought of that yesterday, I would love for that to be what this church is. When I say defending the space, defending a room where people can be in this room and they know they're loved because they exist. Everybody, because you exist. Because he loves you, we love you, we love you anyway. I'm loved. Don't always do right. Proverbs 18 says, words kill. Words give life. Now listen to, listen to what I'm about to say. They're either poison or fruit. You choose. Proverbs 18 in the message, words kill, words give life. They're either poison or fruit. There is no third choice. There is no neutral option. There is no just joking. There is no just joking. That wasn't a third choice. They're poison or they're fruit. We get to choose that. And what an honor. And what a gift and what a privilege to come and to lift someone up. Weren't you challenged today? Challenged to step into the action of letting your words lift someone up. And we said it last week. We're like, well, Lord, if you only knew them. <laughs> Can I challenge you with something before we go today? Can you be a person that digs for diamonds? That's how we say it at my house. You're a person that digs for diamonds. It's Melinda when I work 80 hours a week and she raises our children as a single mother and she digs for diamonds. And what she'd like to do is catch me at the back door and go, you are never here and please get off your phone. And we may have had that conversation too. <laughs> or she says, thank you so much 
for being the hard worker that you are. Thank you so much for sacrificing to be away and serve people. That's digging for diamonds. It lifts, it softens. And may I, may I offer for you to consider, it, it builds a bridge upon which the Spirit of the Lord and the love of God can walk into a person's life and change them. So, slander, gossip, division. Read Romans 1. I read it this morning. On the way to church, this thought hit me, and I turned it on, and I read it on the way to, well, it was read to me on the way to church. And it is a litany of things that God is not into. <laughs> it is a list of do this, and then, but then you fall deeper and do that, and then you end deeper in that. It's almost like this deeper sin list. And do you know where slander and gossip and division are? Not at the beginning. They're way down that list. Like what we do with our words isn't just a one-off. It deeply matters. So my encouragement to you, and this will be the thing that I take away today as well, lifting people up. We did that earlier. How beautiful was that when we sang, we exalt thee? Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. You know what we were doing? We were lifting him up. And we can do that with each other. So I encourage you this week, let the Holy Spirit give you eyes to see where you can come alongside someone and speak life, speak fruit into their life. And let your words reach out, take them by the hand, and lift them up. And when that happens, what's the saying? All ships rise. Would you stand with me? I'll bless you on the way out the door today. I want to remind you that if you're interested in baptism, several folks are, and they've already told me, a few have signed up on the Church Center app. That's where we'd want you to go, Church Center app. Sign up for that. It's going to be next Sunday. We're going to do baptism Sunday next Sunday. So I want you to be able to, to, to be a for sure. Lord, thank you so much for the challenge of your word. We, we do love. We do love. So let the words of love in our heart come out. We don't want to hold them. Uh, I pray, I pray that there'd be strength and courage to step outside of the awkwardness, um, the uncertainty when we feel like we may be imposing or something like that. God, give us, give us grace in those spaces to, to be able to step in to someone's story, be a face in their story, and, and just love them. A compliment, uh, an observation, an encouragement that is true. It's not marketing. It's true. We love you, and you love them. We love each other. It's just beautiful. Let love flow. Let love pour out. Let love be real. Let us see each other in each other. Holy God, let us see each other in each other so that we can simply love freely. Lift each other up as we lift you up. May your grace and may your peace and may the power of your spirit keep us and comfort us, strengthen us for the work of your kingdom. And I pray it in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you for being here today. Love you.